Sometimes covering healthcare can be difficult. Subjects can be tough to talk about, and today's topic is a hard one. We are talking about human trafficking. However difficult they may be to discuss, talking about issues like human trafficking helps us raise awareness of the problem and learn from others in our community. So in that spirit, I am excited to share with you what I learned from our guests about human trafficking and what health centers like Asian Health Services are doing to help prevent trafficking in their communities and also provide care for labor and sex trafficking survivors. My name is Marisol Murphy-Ballantyne, and this is NAC Health Center News. Dr. Kimberly Chang and Hamida Yousafzai are no strangers to the human trafficking epidemic. Dr. Chang is a family physician and human trafficking and healthcare policy fellow with federally qualified health center Asian Health Services, and also a co-founder of Heal Trafficking, an organization whose mission is to shift the anti-trafficking paradigm toward approaches rooted in public health principles and trauma-informed care. Dr. Chang has been instrumental in affecting change, both at the policy and healthcare level, to better care for people who have been trafficked. Hamida is a program manager with Bente Sarai, a program of Asian health services that provides a safe space and resources for Southeast Asian girls and young women who have been or are at risk of sexual exploitation. This combination of healthcare and social support services is a wonderful example of how community health centers often step outside the clinic to address challenges and issues their patients face that impact their health. Asian Health Services, we started doing this work in the early 2000s, but at that time we didn't even, uh, that, that federal legislation hadn't trickled yet down to the ground level for where we're seeing. And so we started Bante in 2004 because we looked around and we saw that there weren't any resources for our patients who were being exploited, commercially sexually exploited. And so we, we, we started Bantisway to, to have a way that we could continue working with these patients outside of a medical visit, right? And so that was in 2004. And Asian Health Services, we started doing our, our protocol implementation and our screening tools in 2006. So we started making those things. And now it's becoming much more um, uh, adapted, I think, in other healthcare settings, and people are picking it up. And I think it's, that's awesome, and that's great. There's a lot of momentum, and it, and it should happen. Dr. Chang says human trafficking was first defined in federal legislation in the year 2000 with the Trafficking Victims Protection Act. For some understanding of human trafficking, here's Dr. Chang with the definition in federal legislation. In the definition. Uh, there are two components, sex trafficking and labor trafficking. Sex trafficking is a commercial sex act through force, fraud, or coercion. However, there is a separate category for those under the age of 18. Uh, sex trafficking is, is also uh, a commercial sex act without the need for proving force, fraud, or coercion. So any commercial sex act for someone under the age of 18 is considered uh, sex trafficking. The second component of this definition is labor trafficking, which is uh, the provision of labor or services through force, fraud, or coercion for the purposes of debt peonage, slavery, indentured servitude, uh, debt bondage, and a whole host of other uh, exploitative uh, conditions. The doctor says it's imperative that healthcare providers understand the health effects of human trafficking. It's a crime. And our role here in the healthcare sector and the community health centers 
is to understand that this crime has a lot of health impacts, trauma, reproductive health issues, uh, dental issues, oral health issues, uh, mental health issues. And so we have an obligation and a role in combating this crime and caring for the people who are at risk or have been affected. And that's exactly what Asian Health Services is doing, caring for those at risk as well as survivors and victims of human trafficking through programs like Bente Sarai. It's an anti-sex trafficking program, and it's a youth development asset building um, program that has two wings to the model. So half of the model would be case management, advocacy, one-to-one work with survivors and victims of sex trafficking, sexual exploitation. And the other wing, um, which is really part of the holistic way of working with survivors and victims, will be the prevention education. And that um, is really manifested through three main programs. SREI, um, which is Self-Reliant Empowered Individuals. SOURCE, which is an intergenerational cooking program. And Bongsre, which is a mentorship leadership program where the young women get to become peer advocates. Dr. Chang says healthcare providers, in particular health centers, are uniquely positioned to reach populations who are vulnerable to human trafficking. When you think about access to systems of care and protection for marginalized and vulnerable populations, what systems do they intersect with? Maybe if they're a youth educational system. Right. But but what happens when they turn 18? Mm. They're no longer in that educational system interface. It could be criminal justice system, although, you know, that might not be as protective or care oriented as 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 other systems. There's a healthcare system. What other systems would they interface with in immigration, perhaps if if they're new migrants, but if they're undocumented, maybe not. So if you think about it, people who have been trafficked are just that people. Everybody needs health care. Everybody at some point in their life is going to need to see someone for some health care. And so health centers are at the ground level, serving vulnerable, hidden, marginalized, invisible populations. And so we're there. We're there seeing these, these populations. There are many ways community health centers break down barriers to care, which facilitates trust building with patients, including those who are at risk for or are human trafficking survivors. Bante is a good example. Many health centers across the country have community health workers or outreach workers on the street level, on the ground level, who extend the health care visit in a sense. They're part of the system. Um, they, they have a lot of trust with the patients on the community level. We also have confidential services for teens, at least in California. Um, And so that's another way of getting around some of those barriers for a youth population. Health centers have language access. So I'm not just talking about Asian health services. I'm talking about health centers across the country. Some health centers have uh, African language expertise, right? Somali population, Eritrean population, Ethiopian, what have you. Some of them have Spanish language capabilities. A lot of them have language access for different populations. And so when you look at that, those are populations who we can reach as well, who may be more vulnerable because of this systematic sort of exclusion from mainstream society. Speaking on Bente Sarai, 
and Asian Health Services Team Clinic, Hamida adds, I think a community health center, just because of how much we offer, you know, if you think about Team Clinic, if we don't see young people when they come with their parents, we're probably going to catch them at Team Clinic. So Team Clinic is free. It's confidential. It's youth friendly. It's run by youth. We have some of our youth participants at the front line of Team Clinic. So as a young person, you come in, you see someone that looks like they're your age, you're more prone to trust them because young people trust young people. So we try to rethink in youth-friendly ways of operating programs for young people, not just, you know, it's not just symbolic, it's real. Uh, I think we we think creatively and innovatively around how to work with vulnerable populations. And a lot of it comes back to being very appropriate around culture, age and class as well. So already some of the barriers are removed because what you see resonates with you. So I think um, being a community health clinic and having programs like Teen Clinic and Bantisray and there being a very real pipeline between the programs, you know, there's no there's no wrong entry. Depending on where you enter, you'll come back to receiving healthcare. And Kimberly notes that it is very likely that human trafficking survivors come into contact with the health system while they are being trafficked. There was a study uh, several years ago by a colleague of ours um, who, 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 who did a, a survey uh, of survivors, about 200 um, survivors of sex trafficking. And these were adult survivors. And 88%, of, almost 88% of them had come into contact with a healthcare professional or the healthcare system while they were being trafficked. What is notable is that none of these, none of these survivors were asked about exploitation or trafficking or had been uh, uh, offered any services or help or had any intervention done when they had come into contact with the, the healthcare professionals while they were being trafficked. So this is huge. There are other smaller studies that show 28 to 50% have been uh, of survivors, labor and sex trafficking survivors, had come into contact with healthcare professionals while they're being trafficked. And can we do something? Yes, we can. We did a study out of Asian Health Services, retrospective study, looking at our youth program and our teen clinic, seeing if, if we had asked the question and we had screened or asked about exploitation we found that some of the patients, some of the children, some of the kids would actually disclose to us that they were being exploited. That, that might have been not the words that they used, but they would disclose to us that they were in a situation where they were exchanging sex for commercial purposes. Trauma and violence screenings and social histories are also very important for adults, says Dr. Chang. I had a patient who was pregnant and she had a lot of morning sickness. We wrote her a note for her work to, you know, excuse her because she was really having a lot of um, nausea and vomiting. And she came back the next week basically saying that her employer has fired her, which, you know, is probably not, is not legal. <laughs> and so we, we sent another note, saying, you know, advising the employer, you know, to hire her back. We interfaced her with the, some legal, legal uh, help and, and the next visit, she comes back and and has is is upset, crying again, saying that this employer has threatened to fire not just her now, but also 
her husband who works there. The, the employer is now going to fire her husband and her brother-in-law and all of that particular ethnic group that she came from. And so this, you know, this was it trafficking? Well, maybe not. Maybe it's maybe it's employment discrimination or retaliation or or some wage and labor violation. However. Is that person at risk? Are other people at risk in this industry? Yes. The answer is yes. So doing those kinds of social history, um, background history, the violence, domestic violence screening. I have adult patients, um, who have a history of being trafficked. They're not being trafficked now, but they have, you know, they will disclose and about their past. And, you know, to me, that means that they have suffered a lot of trauma and we have to address that. So that we can be able to care for their diabetes, blood pressure levels, ability to maintain appointments, ability to maintain relationships and work and job. And, you know, so we have to be aware of a past history of tra- of being trafficked as well. So these are some of the things that I look at. It's no different than primary care. It's a heightened awareness of the possibilities of being traumatized and having a history of being trafficked or being trafficked or at risk of being trafficked. In 2017, California, where Asian Health Services is located, passed California Senate Bill 1322, which exempted persons under 18 from criminal statutes regarding soliciting or engaging in loitering for the purposes of prostitution. The bill was passed in an effort to protect children who are being exploited and keep them out of the criminal justice system. But Hamida says it was also a shift in the way people talk about exploited children. Um, so this was really the bill that, that came into play January the 1st, 2017, and was a huge uh, paradigm shift within the criminal justice system, which meant that California was no longer going to criminalize children. Um, so for me, that shift was huge. It was a huge win. Um and it's a good start. I think there needs to be a cultural shift as well, but it's made an impact. And it's, I, I can, I can hear it in the language of practitioners and also just people on the street. So for example, I know that practitioners around me don't say child prostitute. They say a child who is sexually exploited or commercially sexually exploited child. These, these things might sound small, but they're actually really pertinent. I think terminology is something that we have to keep a check on. I'm using the term child prostitute. It's just laden with victim blaming and it's false. Children don't have a say in their oppression uh, and children can't consent. So it's a huge shift in the legal system. Um, and, and I really hope that it has a, a knock on effect. Due to the nature of human trafficking, healthcare providers may need to work with the legal system to address labor and sex trafficking in their communities. However, the health system and legal system aren't always aligned in their goals. So Dr. Chang says focusing on what you want from the healthcare system is important. We all want to help our community, but the goals of the systems themselves might be a little bit, are a little bit different. And so upholding the laws of the state may or may not maximize the health care or the health of, of people who are trafficked. Sometimes um, participating in a prose- prosecution uh, case may not be in the best interest of someone who has been uh, traumatized or exploited. Uh, it may may worsen some of their trauma. And and so so 
sometimes the, the goals aren't aligned. And so it was necessary for us to really think about what, what do we want from the healthcare, from the healthcare system? Well, we want to focus on maximizing the health and, and taking care of our patients and our community in that way. And so it's a little bit different. We do work together and, 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 and I think that's, that's a very good, um, balance. Dr. Chang advises organizations looking to reach and provide health care to these patients to look to primary care. I would say it's primary care. You have the know-how and the skills to do it. You, it is what community health centers do every day. It's, it's being aware uh, of the issue, um, thinking of, about the trauma for your patients. I think, I think the first thing they should think about is trauma-informed care. And then the second thing is knowing about this issue and, and problem. Because trauma comes in many different ways. Human trafficking is just one subset of that. I think it's a broader trauma-informed care principles. And then, you know, there's a lot of resources out there in terms of the intersection with uh, legal or how to set up protocols. Um, and we can help with that. There's a, a Asian Health Services and myself. Um, well, uh, we you know, help to co-found an uh, organization, a, a network of healthcare professionals across the country called Heal Trafficking. And, and we have a protocol out, a protocol toolkit out on how to, to develop protocols for your healthcare practice setting. And so there's a lot of tools and resources out there. Both Dr. Chang and Hamida believe health centers working collectively and using their expertise can make impacts in preventing human trafficking as well as treating trafficking victims and survivors. Health centers are where it's at. We know what's going on in our community. We we see our patients. We care deeply about our community and our patients. And we have the resources and the tools to do this work. I would hope that we in NAC and any health centers that are thinking about this, we come together and we talk about ways that we can do it. And we just start doing it. We institute protocols in our systems, in, in, our, in our health centers, and we start reaching the patients who need this help. We can do it. I'd like to thank Dr. Kimberly Chang and Hamida Yusufzai for joining me on the podcast. If you want to learn more about Asian health services, Bente Sri, or heel trafficking, check out the podcast description below. Are you following us on Twitter? Stay up to date on the latest health center news by following us at NACHC. Thanks for listening. Music by Ben Sound, www.bensound.com.